Today we're going to be reading about and preaching about these three wise men, uh, or the magi, or three shepherds, if you will. Um, but let us then get into God's word uh, as we go before the Lord, uh, asking him to work in our hearts. This is the reading of God's word. Now, after Jesus was born in, the, in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born of the king of Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child, with, his mother, uh, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. That is the reading of God's holy word. Join with me in prayer as we get into his proclamation. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the people here and people joining us online. Uh, We know that uh, we first and foremost want to pray for those who have gotten sick, uh, that you would give them uh, healing and um, health and and a renewed vigor uh, throughout their days, that nothing serious or great uh, may come upon them, but they would bounce back um, quite strong. Uh, and, and be with us all as we are um, finding the, the season of hope and the season of joy within us, even amidst um, the, the hardships and the suffering and the struggle in our day. Be with us for those who need to hear the word. Uh, may we, we embrace it, love it, and be changed by it, even uh, week to week and day by day. We thank you, O oh Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we've all had, and I don't know what it is about today, uh, but I think that we all tend to be a little bit more socially awkward than it seemed to be in the past. Uh, I know that uh, social awkwardness, maybe because we're in front of screens and we're doing a lot more you know, online stuff, it's a lot harder to know how to talk to people in an everyday manner. 
Uh, I know that I am constantly one who deals with social awkwardness. And one of my uh, notorious ones are those passerby ones, you know, where I start the conversation. I say, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? And I'll get the response, great. How are you? And then I'll respond, I'm doing well. How about you? You know, and it's like, I, I, then I start to think about, oh man, I already asked that question. What, what am I doing? And it's like this, you know, this, um, this just, this leveling that I just do where I, I, I don't believe that, you know, I, I'm just, I don't know what I do. I'm just socially awkward. And you, you guys know uh, what that is. Um, and I, you know, I've even had one of those socially awkward situations where I was introducing a, a newcomer. And I may have shared this with you before. But a newcomer to church, and I was trying to connect her uh, to people. And as I was introducing her, you know, I said, oh, here's such and such, Jane Doe. Uh, and, and she's here with her uh, uh, mom. What's, her, what's your name? And, and her mom, quote unquote, responds, and tells me, actually, I'm her sister, not her mom. And I definitely, you know, I started, you know, digging my grave because I was like, oh, I, I didn't mean, I meant like, you know, I was just like, right, trying to, you know, get myself out of that, which only means I was digging more uh, my grave as more of my words came out. Uh, and, <clears throat> and I knew I'd never see those two ever again. And I was a prophet because I never saw those two ever again. And I kept thinking about it. Right? For the rest of the night, you know, de uh, evangelization is my forte. Right? I've turned people away from the gospel. Uh, I ruined a, a potential relationship. And so we've all had, I think, awkward mo moments socially. And we think about it, it, it kind of gets to us, right? Well, there was one huge awkward moment in the annals of time. And that moment was when Adam and Eve sinned our first parents. And it was a moment that lasted for centuries and uh, decades, right? It was, it was uh, embarrassing. It was shameful. It was for the very first time they realized that they were nakedly uh, ashamed. Their disobedience to the Lord destroyed their innocence and human relationships from that point on would never be the same. That's not even the worst thing. It's what happens next. God came and they were immediately feel, filled with fear. And this is, again, not the normal reaction before their, their disobedience. They had peace with God. When God came, they had joy. They were happy. They were excited. They, they had love and they had awe. And, and this, this, this moment of shame was the first time they ever felt that in the beginning of history. The bond between God and mankind was broken and fear then replaced love, avoidance, then replaced communion. Adam and Eve had not only damaged their spirituality, but they now lost a huge chunk of their humanity. You see, sin broke the most important relationship in all of life. And this separation between God and man alters everything in each of our lives. But here we now come to a story, a season of remembering the incarnation where Jesus 
changes all of that. And let's look at three points this afternoon. The wise men, Herod the king, and then finding Christ. Let's look at that first point. The story turns then, as we read about last week, about Mary and Joseph and the virgin birth, the story that immediately turns towards three wise men, a group of wise men. Who are these men? They're called shepherds. Uh, They're called magi. They were scholars of, uh, they were ancient philosophers, if you will. And they were these like, you know, uh, pre-scientific, scientific, uh, scientists of antiquity, observing the stars, observing the cosmos, and keeping, you know, meticulous records of, of what they saw in the sky. And part of what drove their interest was the conviction that events that occurred in the uh, supernatural order or in the cosmos influenced their human life. That was their belief system. They believed that the heavenly world above them disclosed significant truths about the shape of history surrounding them. These specific scholars were astronomers who who dabbled in what we think of as astrology. They observed a star, which they hadn't noticed before. This star came out of nowhere and it it, it said, this is something new. This is something vibrant. This is something that we need to do. We need to follow. And it it led them to the conclusion that a, a special king of the Jews had been born. They decided that they would find him, they would worship him, uh, and, and, and go. Now, the question is, how, how did they know that a king of the Jews had been born? Why, why did they go worship this king of the Jews? What, what possessed them to go on this long, wearisome journey? And how did this star make such an impact on their life? Why this star? What was so important about it? Well, there were two things that they could have been led by, okay? One, this possible pagan prophecy that a star somehow related to the Jewish people would predict a new king, and they were there for that. They wanted to be there to worship this new king. Or these magi somehow knew about Daniel's prophecy and and his interpreted dreams about a coming king and his kingdom. But how did they think then, if they knew of that in the past, how did they think that this star was that star? Something compelled them, or someone compelled them. You see, the the wise men here in this text were neither Christians, nor were they of Jewish descent. They weren't Jewish believers. They were just random, earthly astrologers. Yet God had led them through their interest in heavenly signs and and the cosmos to make this momentous journey to seek out this new king. They certainly believed that they were being led by whatever powers they believed in that be. Uh, What they did not know yet was that it was the God of the Hebrew scriptures who were guiding them. There was something they still lacked. 
They read the heavens. They saw this new star. They were aware of a coming king, and they couldn't shake off the urge to go and find him. And Matthew hints um, that the star was heading towards this little town of Bethlehem. Its destination was not, you see, the capital city and the place or the palace of Herod the Great. But notice where the Magi go. So the star is over this little town of, of Bethlehem, but we find that the Magi go to the nearest big city. Instead of following the star all the way to where Jesus would be, they stopped by the biggest city, which is Jerusalem. Now, think about this, okay? Humanly speaking, that's sensible. The capital city was surely the only place where a king would be born. Our earthly human mindset would say, yes, they would be in the confines of a very big city. And that's why they went into the city asking questions in verses 1 through 2. Where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So think about this. The Magi, they see a star. They're looking for a prophecy. And where do they go? They go to the biggest city there is uh, nearby this star. It's Jerusalem. And human wisdom says, if there's a prophecy of a, good, of a new king, well, let's go to a royal palace. But you see, divine plan. Godly plan is different. The Son of God needed to become what he was not in order that we might become what we are not. The king was born into poverty, as we know, not into riches. He was born into humility, not in pomp. He was born in a normal family, not in a royal palace, in a king's palace. The wooden manger and whatever house Joseph and Mary uh, found was just the beginning of things. It, 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 it described and foreshadowed what Jesus would be as a king. Our king was born into poverty and would live in, a borrowed, uh, in borrowed accommodation with nowhere to, uh, to lay his own head. Even at the end of Jesus' life, it was the same as the beginning. He would be laid again upon wood in a borrowed home, which was a tomb. We really don't know if this was ignorance or folly going to Jerusalem on the part of the Magi, but it really doesn't matter. It doesn't really uh, add to the point of this message or this passage. You see, God was determined that his plan would not be undermined either by human frailty or folly or failure. God would not let a vicious ruler rid the earth of the true king and savior. And this is such an important message to us because God's plans would not be derailed by our missteps either no matter how badly we might have messed up. You see, countless times, you know, we think uh, of ourselves as so important that if we divulge our issues, the church will crumble or that the, the kingdom of God will not con continue or that we will prevent people from hearing the gospel. You know, we think too highly of ourselves. And we think too little of God. You see, this is wonderful assurance 
to those of us who feel as though we're limping towards the, the need of another year. You know, conscious of the, the, the footsteps we've left behind us. And yes, we're broken. Yes, we're messed up. But that will not prevent God and his will to succeed. That's the point. At the heart of the wisdom of God lies the humiliation and the humility of our Lord. The wise men yet did not understand this. They had not yet reached that place physically nor spiritually where they would see the wisdom of God being shown to them in the form of a baby Jesus. Not yet so, so far. But you see, God preserves his plan through dark and murderous times. Now let's get to the second point. Our second character is found in the present earthly king, Herod the Great, a.k.a. Uh, otherwise known as uh, Herod the Vicious. And what's interesting is that somehow, some way, this got ear to the king, uh, to the king uh, of Jerusalem at the time. We don't know how much uh, influence, uh, this influenced the people of the city, but it definitely worried Herod in verse 3 that a king was to be born. More than that, the city, in verse 3, knew that if Herod was troubled, that brought about huge trouble for their city. They knew about their king. You see, Herod is painted as this paranoid king. If the, if the city knew about the way the king was, it leads me to think that the king had spies in the city telling him what was happening amongst his people. And so when these three strangers started coming in, asking the inhabitants, do you know where a king is? The king to be born? The king of the Jews? Do you, do you know where we might find him? These spies, again, this is how I imagine it. These spies must have told King Herod right away that there's talk of a new king. You see, Herod was named great for a reason. He reigned for 37 years. He made his, maintaining his throne was an absolute priority for him. Herod was evil. He was devious. He had his finger on the, on, on the pulse of, of everything in his city. And when he heard the news, look at what happens. He even gets Jewish theologians at the, at the, at the snap of his fingers, right? In verse 4, he gathers the, the, the greatest Jewish theologians and he asks them, well, where is this king that these strangers are talking about? This Messiah, where is he to be born? You see how it's working out? And these men who knew their scripture then in verses 6, quotes Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where it says, and, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, think about that. What's pointed here is that although these men knew their scripture well, they were Jewish uh, descent. They were uh, um, probably seen as one of the greatest Jewish scholars at their time, being called by king, uh, king, knowing where Jesus would be born. Notice the action that they take. Their desire to find this Messiah nowhere to be seen. And it's these non-Jewish believers 
that are contrasted with these Jewish scholars who knew a king would be born, but these magi did not know. The religious leaders, on the other hand, knew where the Messiah would be born, but had no intention. They easily quoted Micah 5.2 to the king, but they never had any intention of going there. See, the point is, it's possible to know the Bible well. It's, no, it's possible to know it in your head. It's possible to know it in your heart. And yet, it is very much possible at the same time to be tone deaf to the message. Maybe you don't know the Bible all that well. It makes sense in our, in our day and age. Thinking that this might not apply to you. Well, you probably don't know tradition well. And you can be traditional. You've probably seen how church functions. And yet, you can still be tone deaf to this very message. Knowing what is in the Bible, even you're not doubting its teaching or you're not doubting what's being said is true. That is not the same as searching, finding, and trusting Christ. You see, the religious leaders, they could read the truth. They knew what the truth was. But what's interesting is that their hearts were hardened to that very truth. And then there's Herod's reaction, where he wanted to go find Jesus and secretly destroy him. So let's just kind of summarize what we know about these three characters so far. The wise men didn't know where Jesus was, but wanted to find him. Then you have the Jews who knew where Jesus was because scripture was written on their heads and on their hearts, but they did not want to find him. And thirdly, you have a king, Herod, who didn't know where he was, wanted to find him and desired to destroy him. Now, put yourself in these Magi's shoes. We know Herod wasn't a good king, but that's because we know and we've been familiar with this story uh, that Herod was not about trying to worship uh, the baby Jesus. But the, uh, these men didn't know that about Herod. He seemed interested. You look at verse 7 and 8. Okay, well, let's go meet with the king. He's calling us, and maybe he's going to give us better news about where this baby Jesus or baby king is going to be. And they left for Bethlehem thinking that King Herod was actually on their side. Jesus will say later in, this life, in his life, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But you see, hell will try, especially in devious ways. Hell will always try to take down the very kingdom of God. And our king, you see, has enemies no matter what age he is. And therefore, we must understand, so do we. And one of the weapons of our enemies is deception. We're constantly deceived by the deceiving one. But what is right and what is wrong? What is good and what is evil? Well, evil is not that bad. Hey, that's fine. Go ahead and eat that fruit. 
It's okay. God didn't say that you're going to die. Hey, it's okay to uh, miss a Sunday. It's okay uh, to not have to read your Bible or pray. God already knows what's on your heart. Satan always finds devious ways to make you turn away from the Lord, slowly and yet surely. One of the weapons of our enemy is deception. And that's what you find in King Herod. Thirdly, the wise men were on the search because of a star. And there's theories about the nature of what the star is. God employed a star. We get that. But scripture shows no real special interest in the nature of the very star, but only in its significance. It was going to lead these men in verses 9 through 10 to the baby king. And the point is that God was who led them there. You see, the important thing is not how spectacular God's work is. The more important thing is how effective God's work has been. Let me say that to you one more time. The important thing is not how spectacular God's work is, but how effective God's work has been. All that matters is that we have come to Christ and have found in him what we are looking for, even if we did not at first know what that really was. So when we get to verse 11, we remember that what got them there. First, they they saw a star, they followed westward, then they met with Herod the Great, the king, And then they heard uh, from the Jews and the theologians of that day, from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, about this prophetic uh, location. And then they saw the star again, this time over the town of Bethlehem. How did they know exactly where to go? I don't know. I don't know if the star went right over the manger. Who knows, right? But we do know they found the child with Mary, his mother. And here's the thing, the Magi in their unique journey through this whole time, although not being believers, were being evangelized to. These are Gentiles getting the Jewish prophetic message. They may not have known the scriptures as well as those Jewish scholars, but it led them to a specific action in verse 11. What was that action? It was worship. They gave expensive gifts to Christ without hesitation. They gave these specific gifts, not to Joseph, not to Mary, but to Jesus alone. And in this, they are found bowing in worship to the king. You see, we talked about familiarity last week. And this is a continuation of the story from last week. We know what this journey is. We've, we've heard countless incarnation messages and every year we celebrate Christmas, but we often lose sight of the enormity that is found in this very message. We often find ourselves not caring to look for Christ. We often find ourselves just doing the traditional Sunday going, although that is becoming increasingly difficult for uh, uh, New Age people to even go to church on Sunday. And if we go to worship on Sunday, which of the reactions are we really doing? 
Are some of you like Herod? Ultimately wanting to take Jesus down so that you can be king of your own life? You're tired of the quote-unquote guilt. You're, you're tired of the hypocrisy. You just want to focus on you and live your life. And therefore, your goal in life is just to take Jesus down. Maybe others of you are like the Jews. You know what happens at the end of each message. You've read your scriptures. You know your traditions. You know what scripture says about Christ alone. You can tell, tell me all your catechisms and you know them by heart, but you don't seek him. You seek other things beyond him, maybe his community or his blessing. But are you like these wise men? That means that you've thrown everything away to seek him, desire him, find him. Even if you don't even know you're being led. And when you find him, when you find yourself here in this place of worship, how many of you are really bowing in worship? You see, that's the goal of 2022 in this church for me. Rediscovering our worship, rediscovering our praise, rediscovering our awe, rediscovering our joy in worship and praise. You see, I desire to us to be a church that represents a true joy in worship. I desire hearing the voices of praise louder than my own. I desire a community that constantly encourages one another. I desire a place of true warmth, of extension. In fact, this is not my desire alone. It's also God's. That's what this message is all about. The desire to find Christ, the desire to seek Christ, the desire to worship Jesus and not lose sight of the familiar. You see, just like every message, God always has been the one leading people to his worship. God had planned the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. He navigated these pagan Gentiles to see and search for a star. He even disallowed evil kings to get in his way. And he has called you to come and receive him. To fall face down before the world, uh, before the Lord. To give your gifts without question. To give your praises, your songs, your heart, your mind, your soul, your very life in acting and action of the gospel. The transformed life is a life that lives in eternity now. Let's start picking each other up by leading by example, singing praises jointly, loving the God who first loved us. Let us start finding the joy and the awe and the reverence and the, and, and the strict message of what this is saying. To be enamored 
with the incarnated Jesus. So that we too can be a part of the extension of God's kingdom. Who knows? Something might click for somebody. And they might find themselves worshiping just like you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for a very simple message in the sense that it's familiar to us. And yet it is a good reminder that we often take for granted this very story of wise men who may not be Christian yet, but are led by the providential and sovereign God to worship a king to be born. What I pray, Lord, is that we are not like the world to search and destroy this king, that we're not like the, the traditional religious men and women, the Jews, who know where the king is but refuse to go and find him. But we are very much like the Gentiles who knew not our way, but we were being led. And because we're being led, because we see the king, may we not get tired or jaded by the very fact that God is good and God works in our hearts through this message of the gospel. But may we receive this king and may the king receive us and may we worship and praise and give our gifts to him. Isn't that what offering is? Isn't that what our praises are? Let's not take for granted what is familiar to us. We thank you, O Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.